Uh, well, friends, uh, ever since our children were toddlers, uh, my wife and I have had to constantly give safety instructions to our children. Uh, we've had to do this because, uh, I don't know whether you've noticed, but children are very good at going ahead of parents and putting themselves in danger. Have uh, any parents experienced this before? Uh, most parents have, I think. Uh, they might go ahead, uh, ahead of you and run towards a busy road, for example, because they, attra- they are attracted to the cars that are, go- uh, that are whizzing by. They might go on ahead of you and get themselves lost in a shopping centre because they are attracted to something that has caught their eye. Or they might go on ahead of you and be lured away by a stranger who offers them a treat. Uh, It's every parent's nightmare to lose their child, isn't it? And so we give them safety instructions. Don't talk to strangers. This is what you do if you get lost. Don't go too far ahead. Now, uh, this morning we're going to uh, have a look at the, the book of 2 John together, as was mentioned. Uh, If you were here with us last year, uh, we covered all of uh, 1 John. And so uh, we thought we might finish uh, all of the John letters uh, by looking at 2 John this week and uh, 3 John next week. Uh, They're relatively short letters, and so uh, I think we can do it. But uh, I want to suggest to you that 2 John is a bit like a father giving safety instructions to his children. Uh, You can see there in verse 1, if you have your Bibles open in front of you, you can see there in verse 1 that someone who calls himself the elder writes this letter to the elect lady and her children. Uh, The elder doesn't actually identify himself by name in this letter, but uh, uh, I think it's likely that the elder here is the Apostle John. Um, the, The themes and the language of this book Uh, are very much like the Gospel of John uh, that was written by John himself. Uh, The elect lady and her children uh, sounds like an individual lady and her family, doesn't it? But uh, I I think that uh, it's more likely that uh, this is a reference to a particular church, a particular local church and its members. For in the New Testament, God elects or chooses the church, to be his own people through the blood of Jesus. And in the New Testament, the church is often depicted as a woman. And so the Apostle John writes this letter to a particular local church, and he does it in order to warn this church about false teachers. Uh, This is a safety instruction letter warning the church about the dangers of going on ahead from Jesus and and following these false teachers. Uh, You can see it there in verse 8. Have a look with me at verse 8. John writes, Watch yourselves so that you may not lose what we have worked for, but may win a full reward. Everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Uh, I think the idea of going on ahead uh, is a very important one here. It, it suggests that the false teachers were offering spiritual progress. This is how you go on ahead in your relationship with God. 
Now, these are the things that you really need if you want to really experience God and make progress in your Christian life. Now, friends, have you ever felt that there must be more to the Christian life than what you are experiencing at the moment? Have you ever uh, felt that in your life? There must be more than simply reading the Bible with others and uh, encouraging one another to be obedient to what God says. There must be more to relating to God. Well, if you have then you can begin to see the attraction of these false teachers who are saying, I will show you how you really get on ahead. I will show you how to really unlock the secret of knowing God. So what is uh, John's safety instructions against false teaching? Uh, Well, you can see there that John's answer is for the church to know the truth and exercise love. Uh, Know the truth and exercise love. Uh, You get a hint of this right at the beginning, I think. Uh, I want you to see there that the words truth and love uh, are peppered throughout the first few verses. But notice what John is saying here. Uh, In verse 1, John says that he loves this church that he is writing to in truth. But it's not only John who loves this church, but it's actually all those who love the truth there, isn't it? And why do they love this church? Well, in verse 3, it's because the truth abides in them and will be with them forever. Uh, Now, when John speaks about the truth here, he's not speaking, of course, about uh, some sort of abstract idea. Rather, he's speaking about the person of Jesus uh, who lives in them by his spirit and whom they would have known personally as the way and the truth and the life. In other words, it's the truth about Jesus that Uh, resides in our hearts that is the fertile ground out of which we can love other people, that we can be empowered to love other people. It's as John and others come to know Jesus personally, and it is as Jesus comes to abide in our hearts that we are empowered to love the church. Uh, Further, uh, this kind of love is one that is consistent. Uh, It's not some sort of fad that comes and goes. No, uh, it's a consistent love because you can see there in verse 2 that the truth not only abides in them, but John says that the truth will be with you forever. And so if the truth resides in us forever, then it will empower us to show consistent love to the church. Uh, I'm always humbled by older Christians who have been loving the church consistently for many years. Uh, there's a man uh, in our St. Thomas congregation who you may, have know, uh, you may know. Uh, his name is George. Uh, he's a retired university professor. 
he's actually world-renowned in his field. But he is somebody who loves Jesus, and for longer than I have been alive, he and his wife have been consistently, year after year, loving the people in the church that he belongs to. Coming to church and picking up the rubbish so that other people can uh, meet in an environment that is comfortable. Calling people in the congregation when they are sick. Just doing the little things consistently, year after year, because the truth abides in him. Uh, Now, I think uh, what John says next is pretty much the same thing. Uh, He continues to encourage the church to know the truth and exercise love. Uh, In verse 4, you can see there that uh, John expresses great joy when he finds that some people in this church that he's writing to are doing this already and walking in the truth. Uh, In verse 5, John reminds the church of a commandment that they had from the beginning of their Christian lives, which is uh, the commandment to love one another. Uh, Do you remember the commandment that Jesus says to his disciples in in John 13? Uh, Jesus says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. But how do we know how to love one another? Well, in verse 7, John says that loving one another will mean walking according to God's commandments. Uh, In other words, loving one another in the church is not about simply doing what seems right to us and what seems loving to us. Uh, You know, we live in a world that believes in love but has really abandoned the truth. And so we live in a world that does not really know how to love well. But God says here that love is based on the truth of his word, and in particular, it is about doing his commandments. Uh, Friends, uh, isn't it striking that John speaks here about truth and love even before he says anything about false teachers in this letter. Uh, You know, if I were writing this letter, I would probably have opened the letter by uh, naming and shaming the false teachers and uh, telling uh, the people I'm writing to exactly what they were teaching. But John doesn't do that here, does he? Uh, He encourages them to know the truth and to exercise love. Why is it that John sees knowing the truth and exercising love are so important when it comes to the danger of false teaching. Uh, uh, you might know this story, but uh, I was a univers- when I was a university student, uh, I worked in a factory for a while uh, in Surrey Hills. Uh, it was a factory that made uh, rugby jerseys uh, for football teams. I know nothing about rugby. Um, I don't like rugby. Uh, but uh, that, that was my job. And uh, in particular, my job was quality control. And so what they did was they gave me a perfect example of a jersey uh, with the perfect patterns, uh, you know, the, the badges put in the perfect locations on the jersey. 
And then they put me in a room uh, with hundreds of other jerseys that had just come off the, the production line. And uh, my job was to spot anything that didn't look like the perfect one. Uh, after a while, I knew the perfect jersey so well in my mind that whenever some, the dud came around, uh, I'd be able to spot it and uh, say that's the one that needs to be thrown out. You see, friends, uh, it's as we grow in knowing the truth about Jesus and as we love one another so that we become more like Jesus that we'll be able to see false versions of Jesus when they come across our path. And so, friends, the encouragement here is to continue in the truth. Continue to wrestle with the truth of God's word as a church with one another. Continue to put the word into practice by loving others. Uh, Do it more and more. Uh, If you are not in the habit of doing this, then God says that you are putting yourself at great risk of being deceived. And so find a way to grow in the knowledge of the truth. Join a growth group. Meet with other Christian people to read the Bible together. Ask for help to do this. And as you read, seek ways in which you can be loving towards other people and obedient to God's commandments. And so, uh, knowing the truth and exercising love is uh, John's safety instruction. But uh, I want you to see next uh, that John gives us some ways of putting this into practice in the face of false teachers. Uh, Now, the first way that uh, he talks about is to not show any hospitality to those who are false teachers. Did you notice that? Uh, It's very striking, isn't it? Uh, Who are these false teachers uh, that John is talking about? Uh, Well, in verse 7, you can see there that they are called deceivers. Uh, In other words, they tell lies about Jesus rather than the truth. Uh, In verse 7 again, um, they are those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. Uh, Now, that sounds like the false teachers were denying the coming of Jesus in human flesh. Uh, The the term that theologians like to use is uh, they were denying the incarnation, that God came uh, in human flesh. But I think... And uh, you might want to check whether you agree with me that John here is not talking so much about the, the incarnation, but he's actually talking about the false teachers denying the resurrection of Jesus. They did not confess that Jesus had come in resurrection flesh as the Christ. Or the king. Uh, in 1 John, uh, if you can stretch your minds uh, a year back, you might remember that these false teachers were the ones who were denying that Jesus is the Christ. And it is the resurrection of Jesus that shows most clearly that Jesus is the Christ, isn't it? 
Now, that's why false teachers here are described in verse 7 as the Antichrist. Uh, anti just means uh, against. I am anti going to the dentist. Uh, my children are anti vegetables. My wife is anti because there's no hot shower. Uh, these false teachers are anti Christ because they are denying that Jesus is the world that demands the life of every person. Now, uh, what's at stake in following these false teachers? Well, uh, in verse 8, um, you can see that the watch yourselves because you can lose your reward. Now, what's he talking about there? Well, he's talking about the re- uh, losing the reward of your eternal salvation. In verse 9, the serious consequence of following these false teachers and leave have God. It's a serious thing that is at stake. Uh, notice that if you have a look at verse 8 again, John says that this will be worked for, but what we have worked for. You see, the apostles were the ones who worked day and night and faced hardship and persecution to bring eternal salvation to these people. And so he's saying, don't lose it all now. Don't lose what we have worked so hard for. You see, there is great pain and anguish for any pastor to see the people that he has worked hard for following lies and deceptions and moving on from the Lord Jesus Christ. But what is even worse than the pain of the pastor is to lose salvation yourself because you are falling to deception. And so, uh, what is the action plan? Well, uh, given that the stakes are so high, the church is instructed to show no hospitality to false teachers. Uh, You can see it there in verse 10, can't you? Have a look with me at verse 10. Uh, If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching... Uh, this teaching of Jesus, do not receive him into your house or give him any greeting, for whoever greets him takes part in his wicked works. Uh, now, friends, uh, in the New Testament, uh, hospitality is not the thing that we automatically think of. Uh, when we think about hospitality, uh, I think most of us will think about having friends uh, over at our house for a meal. But in the New Testament, hospitality was more about entertaining strangers and those who are in need, people that you didn't necessarily know very well. However, I don't think John here is prohibiting individual members of the church from receiving false teachers into their homes. You should never invite a Jehovah's Witness into your home. For example, uh, there might be wisdom in inviting Jehovah's Witnesses into your home when they knock on the door. Speak to them and to uh, uh, bait with them. Uh, But I think it's okay to invite them in and just waste their time so that they don't knock on other doors. But rather, John here teaches into the church 
Remember, he's writing to a church, which in those days in people's houses. Uh, he's saying if a false teacher comes to your church, then do not receive him, do not invite them in, and certainly don't give them a platform by which to spread their message. Why? Well, if you let them speak in the church, then you are works in leading people astray from eternal salvation. You see, these people are not people who simply get it wrong from time to time. Uh, you know, we all get things wrong. Uh, teachers always get things wrong. But these are the people who, by denying that Jesus is the Christ, are preaching a false gospel, a different gospel, and they are the ones who lead people to hell. I was speaking to a friend uh, who is a minister just the other day, and uh, he remembers a time when someone came to his church, and after each service, he would go around to different people during morning tea and try to convince them that Jesus is not. And so uh, the minister there uh, rightly asked that person to leave the church. Uh, I'm concerned that some of the big well-known churches in Sydney uh, often invite false teachers from overseas to speak at their big conferences. Uh, some of these speakers clearly teach that Jesus is the saviour and he wants to bless you with all manner of things. But they do not teach that he is the Christ, that he is the king, the one who demands repentance the one who demands our lives and our all. Now, such a lack of discernment is spiritually negligent and dangerous, and God would say to that church that you are taking part in the wicked works of that false teacher. Say a group of uh, churches and religious groups in this area asked our church to take part in a, in a big Christmas carols event at the end of the year. Uh, it will be held at Strathfield Park. It will be big. And uh, you can come with your church and participate and have some airtime on, on the stage. In fact, we'll, we'll, we'll get all the churches to say a little something from the stage. Is that something that we should take part in, do you think? Um, well, well <laughs> there's one who's enthusiastic. What are some of the questions you would ask? Um, that's one way of doing it, I suppose. Uh, perhaps that's something you can um, uh, speak with one another over, over morning tea. Uh, now, friends, I'm aware that what John says here is a difficult thing uh, for Christians because I think our inclination, rightly, is to be welcoming of people and inclusive of people. Uh, we want all people to come and hear about the Lord Jesus Christ. But what God is saying here is that when it comes to false teaching, the stakes are so high that it is actually the loving thing to take no part in what they are doing and to allow them no part in what we are doing. For to do so is to take part in their wicked works. 
Uh, well, friends, uh, uh, just to uh, finish up, uh, the second way to help the church to know the truth uh, and exercise love is by encouraging people in the church face to face. Notice that in verse 12, John uh, concludes the letter by saying, Though I have much to write to you, uh, I would rather not use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to come to you and talk face to face so that our joy may be complete. You see what he's saying here? Uh, He's saying, I've written this short letter to you to warn you of false teaching and to encourage you to stand firm in the truth and in love. But I want to do more than simply send a short letter. I want to actually come to you face to face so that I I can encourage you personally and help you to grow in the truth and to grow in love. You see, God has made us in his image as relational beings so that relating to one another face to face is so much better so much richer, so much deeper than, in, than uh, having things like paper and ink, don't you think? Uh, we all know this to be true, I think. Uh, imagine a man who has a long-distance relationship with his fiancée. Uh, they exchange letters with one another frequently. But at the end of each letter, the man does not write... I long to write more letters to you, does he? No, what does he say? He says, I long to be with you. I long to see you face to face. Now, friends, we have so many ways of communicating these days, don't we? Uh, We have things like text messages and uh, emails and uh, who's on Facebook, Uh, most of us, and uh, WhatsApp, Or uh, what's the Chinese version of WhatsApp? WeChat. WeChat. I've got to get on that one day. Uh, And all sorts of other things. And uh, they're actually wonderful in uh, overcoming some of the limitations that we have as human beings. Uh, Things like distance, for example. Uh, How wonderful is it that we can shoot a message to anyone in the world and say the things that we want to say or see Uh, communicate via uh, phone. Uh, But I think things like this also come at at a great cost. For when we communicate in this way, we give less of ourselves, don't we? We don't give all of ourselves. Families that only communicate by text message and through electronic media are never as good at experiencing the richness of relationship than families that meet over the dinner table and learn to speak with one another and encourage one another face to face. And uh, I want to say this morning that there is nothing better than a church that loves one another by frequently meeting together face to face in order to encourage one another to love the truth and to grow in love for others. Uh, In some ways, I feel like I'm preaching to the choir here because uh, you're all here, eager to meet with one another face to face and encourage one another in the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And I know that many of you do it not only here, but you do it regularly through the week as you meet with one another around God's word. But I've got to say, I still find it astonishing the number of Christian people I meet who hardly ever give themselves to other people. They don't give themselves by physically coming to church or by meeting with other Christians week to week. And then some of them complain that no one really loves them or cares for them. If you want to genuinely experience the richness and the depth of relationship, what God is saying here is that you should give yourself to care for others face to face, meet with others face to face, study the Bible face to face, encourage one another face to face. It takes work. It's not very convenient. It's not like sending a t- but it's worth it. Now, I hope and pray that we might be a church where the truth abides in us so richly that the truth helps us to love one another face to face, helping one another to know the truth and to live out the truth in our lives. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for revealing to us the truth. We thank you that by your grace and mercy, this truth abides in us and that he has promised to be with us forever. We thank you that although at present we see in a mirror dimly, I thank you that you have promised that a day is coming when we will see the Lord Jesus Christ, face to face. But until that day comes, uh, help us to love one another, help us to give ourselves to one another, and be committed to meeting together face to face to encourage one another in truth and love. Now, Father, protect us from the lies of the evil one, and especially when it comes to false teaching. Now, guard us so that we might enjoy the richness and depth of relating to one another as your chosen people, rejoicing in the Lord Jesus Christ, our Saviour and our King, now and for all eternity. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.